The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. You can feel the energy. We're getting ready. I know the Ranger fans are nervous, but confident. Game six, do or die for the Rangers. You hear it right here on 98.7 ESPN. Don LaGreca kicks off our pregame coverage at 7.30 tonight. And I'm going to start with the Rangers. Because I want to hear from the Ranger fans. I want to get a vibe of how you are. I want to get a feeling of what your, your, your thought process is as you make your way to MSG. And that, and that feeling that building has. Even when teams in that building are down, like the Knicks, like the Rangers, no matter, no matter what happens, there's, there's an energy in that building. And it's going to be repeated the way it was earlier in the series in games three and four. Now, our Barry Melrose had an interesting comment earlier today. And he says the key ranger for him tonight, if they do not want their season to end, is Chris Kreider. Real leader on the team. A guy that can shoot the puck, make other make his other teammates better. A guy that can score goals. We know he can score them. Tremendous job this year, regular season. He needs to be the guy to get this offense rolling. Who is your key ranger tonight? Hit me up. 1-800-919-3776. Now, obviously, I would say to you that for me, it's going to be Igor Shosturkin, right? That he's the key guy. He's the guy that's got to stand on his head. He's the guy that's got to be superhuman. He's the guy that's got to play his game for the Rangers to really have a chance to move on to Carolina for game seven. And that's obvious. Obviously, you need your goal guy to be great. This is the postseason. This is win or go home. Obviously, you need him to be as good as he can be. That goes without saying. But what also goes without saying is he could be tremendous and shut out the Hurricanes. But if you don't score, we're going to keep playing. And we've seen that going back to the Penguin series when we went through three overtimes. So it's a matter of the Rangers getting off to a quick start and putting the pressure on Carolina. And Carolina understands that this Ranger team is going to come out firing. Carolina understands that this is not going to be the same Ranger team that really from where I watched sleptwalk through game five. I mean, they couldn't get the puck out of their own end. They, they didn't really do the same type hitting. They did not play the same game they played in games three and four, and clearly it was nowhere close to the way they played in game four. Because in game four, this Rangers team looked like a Stanley Cup champion team. They were great defensively. They scored. They scored on the power play. They played extremely well. And here's what's crazy. As bad as the Rangers played in game five, as sleepwalkish, as I make up my own words, on my show, as the Rangers were. The lack of energy that was evident from the Rangers, they only lost 3-1 because Carolina really doesn't score a lot of goals. They just don't. So you're in every game with them. Yes, they are tremendous at home. There's no question. They're undefeated at home in this postseason. 
They're also winless on the road this postseason at 0-5. Rangers are 3-0 facing elimination in this postseason. So on paper, you would say Rangers win, force a game seven. But as we know, sports is not played on paper. It is played on whatever the field it's supposed to be played on. And in this case, it's on the ice. And for the Rangers to have to be able to get a game seven, they cannot duplicate the performance they had in game six. I mean, in game five. They just can't. They can't do it. You need to see the energy. And Carolina knows that the Rangers are going to come out flying. Carolina knows. They're not dumb. This is a desperate team. Desperate. The Rangers don't want to go home. They understand what they have to do to move forward and try to get to game seven. And they have to do it today. They know how to play in the building. They know what they need to do. It's a matter of execution. Okay. And so my confidence in this Ranger team, my confidence in them picking up and riding the wave of energy from the fans that are going to be in the garden today, my confidence in Igor Shosturkin being the Igor Shosturkin that we've seen for most of the regular season and most of the playoffs That's why I believe they will win. They will make the adjustments they made and saw what happened in Carolina. As long as they maintain that energy, as long as they do not make mistakes, minimize the giveaways, trying not to do too much, they will have an opportunity to get a game seven in Carolina. On Monday night. Barry Melrose thinks this Chris Kreider is the is the key ranger tonight. Who do you say it is? 1-800-919-3776. Also via Twitter at Hardest ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Of course, there's other things to talk about. Of course, we'll keep you up on the Yankees and Rays. The Rays with the throwback uniforms today. Uh, the Yankees have played well. They continue to play well against this Rays team. I know everybody was waiting to see. How the Yankees are going to fare against the Rays? It's always it's it's the it's the you know the little engine that could raise. It, it's they don't have a lot of money, but they play well. They they don't have the the great pitching staff, and they don't have the great hitters, and they don't have this, and they don't have that. But they always beat the Yankees, and they always do this, and they don't look at their payroll and look at the Yankee payroll, and how do they continue to do all the stuff? The first two games. From two starters, you could not have expected to give you what they've given you so far. In Cortez and Tyon, and Tyon, if you can imagine, was a little better than Cortez. But both of them went to the eighth inning. And so now you've got your ace on the hill today and Garrett Cole. So that has to make you feel pretty good. Okay. So we'll keep an eye on that Yankee uh, Rays game that's going to start in a couple of minutes. Tonight, the Mets are home, weather permitting, and it's you know the rains have been off and on. Uh, they will face uh, the Philadelphia Phillies and continue to try to uh, you know put some distance between them and the Phillies in the National League. So we'll talk about that. Obviously, we'll get some thoughts. I mean, the OT, OTAs are over. So I now kind of want to get the Jets fans' thought process about where this team is. How do you feel from what you read of what went on 
in OTAs. We'll do that a little later in the show, probably in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll talk a little NFL. And then the 6 o'clock hour, I want to talk some NBA with you and see who you feel is going to end up in the finals. Will it be the Miami Heat or will it be the Boston Celtics? And Mark Cuban has spoken out about Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is the free agent guard who has really, who this season, his play is going to make him a lot of money (laughs) as a free agent, a lot of money. And do you feel the Knicks should make a move for him? We'll hear what uh, Mark Cuban has to say about his intentions on what's happening with Jalen Brunson. And listen, I haven't heard it yet. I know for me, it would be a no-brainer. I'm keeping it. But the question is, what's the price tag going to be? Hard to stay with you. Taking your phone calls, talking to little Rangers. We'll turn our attention to the National Football League and a little baseball at the top of the hour. Right now, we see what's cooking with Richard. He's in Manhattan. He joins us next on 987 ESPN. Hey, Richard. Hi, Larry. Larry, I'm really looking forward to the uh, basketball game tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. I- I'm intrigued because Boston has so much more talent, you know, and they had a rough road. They had to beat the Nets and they had to beat Milwaukee. Right. So, you know, I don't see Miami winning. Now, out of the six games so far, four have been won by the road team. Right. So there's no home court advantage for Miami as far as I can see. Nope. But the, t- the talent is so much more on board. This is if they lose, this will be bitter for Boston. I mean, I don't ever remember him being this much of a favorite to win the series. And I think they're even favored to win the game tomorrow. But uh, they, they should take care of business because this is their shot. And you know the networks are praying for a Boston oh, absolutely. State. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. come on. The two best teams, the way they play, the way they mm-hmm. pass the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, Miami's a mis- mishmash the way they get the ball. You know, yeah. if yeah. Jimmy Butler's hot, they're going to be good and have the bio and – what he does, but uh, they're not really a well-coordinated offensive machine, you know. But when you watch no. Boston, when they're on target, you know. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to this game tomorrow. Uh, as far as the Rangers go, now to, thank God we don't have a game on Sunday afternoon in 90-degree weather at 3.30 like last Sunday. That was awful, Larry. Bettman should know, Gary Bettman. He, said, he should not put a hockey game on if, before 5 o'clock in the afternoon. No matter, I don't care how they got to squeeze the TV ratings in. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it, especially in May when the weather is warm. People don't want to watch hockey at 3.30 on a 90-degree weather day. It just loses its feel, right? Yeah. I mean, don't I you agree? You. Well, uh, kind of, Richard. Thanks for the phone call. Pleasure, Larry. Um, kind of, but listen, if you're a fan, you're going to watch the game wherever, whatever it's on. A game six, a game a, – a game – I think it – a lot of it depends on – look, if you're a fan, you're going to watch whenever the game's on. But if you're just a casual fan, if it's a game like a game six, it's an elimination game, a game seven, you'll watch it even if it's even if it's in the middle of the day because you want to see what's – it's it's that theater. It's you expect something amazing is going to happen and you want to witness it. You expect something crazy is going to go and you want to be able to, you know – Talk about it on social media and find out what's going on with it. That's what you want to do. So uh, while I understand in theory what you're saying, and for you it was probably, oh, gosh, why am I looking at this hockey at 3.30 in the afternoon? I was right there. (laughs) I was right there. I was embedded. I was all in to see how the Rangers were going to go because the theater of it was, I mean, they had scored one goal in two games. So you're thinking, okay, what are they going to do? 
in this game three. They got to come up with something because if they don't, this is this is you know we're we're done early here. So I was intrigued with it, but but I, it is an individual taste. I, I I will give that to you. Once again, we're getting your thoughts. Barry Melrose says Chris Kreider is the key player for the Rangers if they want to advance to, to force a seventh and deciding game with Carolina. And, uh, you know, we've had some other people give some other thoughts about it. But for me, I, you know, it's got to be, for me, I just think sometimes it's very simple, right? We try to go through stats and we break this down and, you know, player on the ice and moments and, plus minus and you know all this stuff and those are I'm not poo-pooing them those are those are valuable stats and they tell you certain things but sometimes it's just you got to play harder sometimes it's just you got to put the puck on the net the more you put the puck on the net the more Ronta's got to make saves and the more you catch a break and the more you do some things that makes their defense have to adjust sometimes it's real simple and for me, it starts with their energy, ladies and gentlemen. They, they, and I said it before it, because it was so striking to me. That was the thing that jumped out at me so much in watching that game. And game five was just how the Rangers couldn't breathe. They were smothered. It was about everywhere. They, they couldn't even pass the puck. They couldn't get the puck out of their own end. And... Once again, I don't have to tell you this, the face-off situation has been just unbelievable. Which means, and it's in your end, that's an extra shot on goal that you that, that, that Shesterkin's got to stop. At a, at a weird angle that he doesn't know where it's coming from. So there's just, there's just so many things that the Rangers have to do. But for me, it's about energy and putting pucks on the net. And yeah, there's other things. You got to be more physical. You got, but you got to play smart. You don't want to give the Hurricanes, you know, a man advantage. So you got to stay out of the penalty box. It's like I said, it's very simple. It just is. Kenny's in Jersey. Hey, Kenny, you're next on 98.7. Hey, look, I totally agree with you, brother. I, but I think like a, kind of a little different. I think the Rangers' tenacity is going to finally break through on the road in, in Carolina. Now, I, I did predict them to win in six mm-hmm. because I thought they was going to, win, you know, take that last one and then close them out at the Garden. Right. Uh, that didn't happen. So, you mm-hmm. know, I call the fellas every morning. We talk about it. Okay. And uh, anybody that lets you know, I picked them in six. But um, I, I still think they're going to win. I still think they're going to take the one in the Garden today. And I think they're going to finally break through in, in Carolina. I could be wrong, but I, I doubt it. I, I'm, I'm really sure that they're going to do this. Well, I'm with you, Kenny, and, and thanks for the phone call. And uh, tell Rothenberg and Dietrich, I said hi when you called them um, Monday morning and talk about this series. But um, this is the this, this is what's about. It, you have to – there's no tomorrow. So all the cliches apply, okay? All the cliches apply. But – and, and I agree with you that will wear down the Canes. I think the, the constant hitting and the constant attacking will wear them down because that's, that's their game. That's what they do to you. That's why the Rangers were so listless. When you got to that third period, they were just like, they were sleepwalking, it looked like, because they got worn down. Everywhere they turned, there was a hurricane. <laughs> Everywhere they turned, there was pressure. Everywhere they turned, 
there was somebody poking at the puck. And they couldn't organize themselves to get chances. The only I mean, what the, the, the goal they scored was the power play goal. Because they finally had some space. So, the, you know, five on five, they just, uh, Carolina, you give them credit. Rob Brindamore does a tremendous job. That style of play defensively, they smother you. They don't give you a chance because here's what they know. They know that they don't have the opportunity to score a lot of goals, so they have to keep you from scoring a lot of goals. You see it. And once again, I haven't watched them all season. I haven't been invested, all right? But you see it in this, you see it in this playoff series. That's what they try to do. And you have to be very, you have to be very careful, and you can't make a mistake because they're right on top of you. And before you know it, it's an odd man rush, and your your goalkeeper is trying to make a save, or or he's penalized with a with a puck that hits off a skate or a stick or something like that and gets past him. And before you know it, you're down. And then now, if you're the Rangers, now the pressure's on you because you got to get that equalizer. You got to find a way to get back. You got to, you know, get points on the board. Should be an interesting game, though. I'm looking forward to it. It's the drama of a game six. And listen, I, I have a lot of confidence in this Rangers team. I do. For the Jets, I, I got to tell you, I've been reading, I've been talking to some folks, and it is, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. And then I saw some video of, of Zach Wilson. And yeah, he does look, he looks like he grew up. He looks, you could see that he's put some weight on. You could see that he looks to be a little bigger, which hopefully uh, is going to help him. I mean, with all the work that uh, the Jets have done on their offensive line, I don't expect that he'll be touched a lot. Hopefully not. But um, still, you know, you could see there's a difference. You could see the difference in body type. But the biggest question is not the difference in body type, it's the difference in mental preparation and skill. And so, look, not saying that body type and improvement there, getting a little bigger is not important. It is. There's no question about it. But on the list of things that need to improve for Zach Wilson, that's like four or five. Okay, what really needs to improve for him, clearly, is his decision making. All right? And that is, he's not alone. That is with every quarterback, every year, especially from year one to year two, where you expect to make your biggest jump. Sometimes in your career, it's that early. And then you just add the pieces when you go on because of your experience after year two. But you want to see the biggest jump in your young quarterback from year one to year two. Why? because of the experience that he's had, the things that he's seen, the adjustments that he's got to make, the things that he knows, the things that he has experienced. So this is what you're looking for from Zach Wilson. Now, I think the Jets have done a decent job in surrounding him with more weapons. The tight end situation has been an issue with this team, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but They have not had a consistent producing tight end since Dustin Keller when they went to -to back-to-back AFC championship games in 09 and 10. So with the two additions and the draft of a tight end that they got, I expect that the tight end will be better for them 
not only passing but run blocking and in the running and in the, the short game for them. So I think that's going to be an improvement. Anything that helps your quarterback get rid of the football and keep the chains moving down the field is going to help them. And it also will help out, help your running game and your long passing game. All right, so so you're looking at that. So I think the tight ends is definitely, the improvement in the tight end is definitely going to help this football team. No question about it, along with improving it at offensive line. And, and we'll figure out where Becton plays. Uh, you know, I, I hope that when training camp comes, he's able to show what he has done. He's able to show improvement. He's able to show improvement in footwork. He's able to show improvement in keeping his weight down. That he's able to, where you can see where, okay, you know what? He is the guy that we thought we drafted. He is the guy that's going to be able to stay on the football field for us. And he's going to be the guy that we should be able to run behind, whether he's on the left side or the right side. With his technique and his size, you should be able to run behind him in when you need to get yards. That should be where you go. And if he's improved on his pass, his footwork for his pass blocking, that's an added plus, right? But with all those things said and all the things around him and all the weapons and all the, the improvements that the Jets have made offensively, for Zach Wilson, it is very simple. It is, you can't turn the football over. And you have to be able to process what you see and make your decision quickly. And pull it down and run it. Pull it down or throw it away. Okay? You cannot continue to take losses and put yourself and your team in a tough situation. So these are the things you want to see. It's last season, Zach Wilson looked like he was not ready to play in the National Football League. He didn't. He looked overmatched. He looked overwhelmed. Part of it was breakdowns with the offensive line, but part of it was the fact that you know, it, it's open is different. And we've talked about this. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Open in college, you, you unless there's a bad, unless there's a blown coverage or a defender falls down, you will never see open in the NFL like you see open in college. Ever. Ever. So he struggled with that. What is open? What is not open? What When do I throw it? When do I get rid of it? What I'm holding on to it. I, and then... When you turn the ball over, it's like, okay, I'm going to hold on to it because I want to make sure that the receiver is open. Well, that doesn't help you either <laughs> because you got to throw it where the receiver is supposed to be. And there might have been situations where, you know, receivers ran the wrong route, miscommunication, stuff like that. So that didn't help him. But all this talk about him being bigger, you know, all that stuff, it's great. It's, it's excellent. That's good. The bottom line is, how does he respond when defenses challenge him and pressure him and knock him around? And we will find out early because they opened against the Baltimore Ravens. And I know Wink Martindale is not there as their defensive coordinator. He's now with the Giants. But his legacy lives on. <laughs> and Baltimore has always had a tough physical no-nonsense defense. That's their calling card. So we'll find out a lot about this Jet offensive line. 
we'll find out a lot about Zach Wilson. We'll find out a lot about this offense in week one when they face the Baltimore Ravens. And on the other side of the ball, which we haven't talked a lot about because the focus is always, when you have a rookie quarterback and in in going into the second year, the focus is always on the offense and the focus is always on how we're going to get points and what are we going to do. But the other side of it too is, okay, this defense is going to be just tested because Lamar Jackson, who was injured for most of the second half of the season, is going to be ready to come back and make a statement. So this defense, which I think is improved on the front line, I would say the front four is, is improved. You've got some depth there. You, you, you know, depending on what you get from Carl Lawson coming back, you've got, you know, the rookie coming in who has done a decent job rushing the passer. So I, I think you'll have with certain schemes and things, you'll have the opportunity to, to, you know, put some pressure on the quarterback, but, you know, when you're facing Lamar Jackson, it's not just pressure on the quarterback. It's about containment. It's about keeping – it's about knowing where he's going to be and and minimizing his big gains, using his legs. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot that you have to do. It's a lot that you have to do. 1-800-919-3776. Jake is in Newark. Hey, Jake, you're next on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, man, thanks for taking my call. How you feeling today? I'm doing great, Jake. What's up, my friend? Not much, man. I'm a lifelong Jets fan. Um, I'm a Zach Wilson believer, man. Okay. Um, I think a lot of it, yeah, I think a lot of it was just decision-making. See where he felt desperate. I didn't know what to do. They didn't have experience to draw from. He just winged the ball and tried to just use arm talent. And, and I think it's pretty common with a, a young quarterback just learning his way in the league. I think the Jets did a great job of, you know, bringing in some support from the tight end, good running back. You know, they're going to keep working on that protection. You know, I love the fact that he's putting on weight. It shows dedication that he really wants to get out there and have a better year. I really feel like he's going to be the guy for us. I just, you know, I just don't want, you know, us Jet fans who kind of like doomsday fans all the time <laughs> to just expect, you know, I don't want us to expect it's just going to be dead and it's going to be a progression. Um, but I think at the end of the day, ultimately, he's going to be the guy for us. Thanks for the call. Thanks for taking the call. Man. All right, Jake. Thanks for checking in. Uh, I hope so, too. And I think you make a great point in understanding that it's a process and you want him to take, you know, I mean, I mean, uh, my colleagues here, Olavsky, Mike Tannenbaum. And so these, these guys, they, they know a lot of football, they know more football than I do. They just do. X's and O's, they know a lot more than I do. But I just get concerned when you start talking about, oh, they're going to, you know, they're the team to beat or they're going to do this. It's, you know. Or statements like that. And of course you want your quarterback to improve. Of course you hope they're right. Okay? And I'm not saying you should be, you know, oh, here we go. I mean, you you hope, you hope that your quarterback does take that major step, that he does take that major leap. That's what you want. Of course you want that. But it lasts longer when it's incremental growth. It's kind of like... Uh, losing weight, right? People want the weight off like quick. I want to go on these fad diets. I want to just gone. Just like boom, gone. But studies show that as you take off two, three pounds a week, the consistency of that is better for your body and tends to put you in a position where you don't put that weight back on. Okay? I speak from experience. So that's what you kind of want here 
with your young quarterback. What you want is sustainable success. You want him to get better every game. There's going to be games that he plays well that the Jets are going to lose because teams are better. Okay? There's going to be games that the Jets may steal here and there because he's improved. But at the end of the season, when you count up all the wins, all you want to show is that you have improved substantially from last season. So if we're if we're having a conversation in January of 2023 where we're like the Jets the Jets played meaningful games in November and December the Jets were right into one of the extra playoff spots right until the end they improved and got 7 or 8 wins Okay, and just missed the spot. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, obviously, if you get to the playoffs, that's great. That's great. But if you have a quarterback that's shown improvements, you have a quarterback that's gotten better, you have a quarterback that's got kept you in games where you've had a chance to win. And when you consider the arm talent in the AFC now, Okay, and including in your division and the talent that you've got to face. That's a win-win. That shows that your quarterback's getting better. That shows that your head coach is better. That shows that your team is improving. That's what you want to see. What you don't want to see is a four or five win season again. No, no, that's no, no. Unless you've got a host of injuries, that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for forward progress. And one of the ways that you get that is your quarterback finds a way to get better. Your quarterback finds a way to cut down on mistakes. Your quarterback finds a way to be a leader and knows what it takes to get a team and march them down the field. I know he knows how to play football. Okay, And I understand the speed and I understand the talent level and I understand the fact that he was able to run and beat defenders and college linemen with ease. And he had trouble doing that last season because they're quicker and they're faster and they're stronger and they're smarter. I think he'll be better. From the Giant fans, I want to hear from you guys as well. You know, I think, and obviously... Brian Dable is a guy who is expected to turn, speaking of quarterbacks, his quarterback around, your quarterback, Giant fans, and Daniel Jones. And what's interesting here when you look at Daniel Jones is is very simple. His availability is an issue. You've seen flashes from him. You've seen that he has... He can run with the football. You've seen that he can uh, complete passes between the 20s. His accuracy, which started out really good, has faltered a little bit. Some of that is not totally on him. I think that he's got several receivers who don't exactly get separation. And because they don't get separation, they find themselves in the position where defenders are right there and can knock the ball down. So I think that's an issue for them. Uh, he's turned the football over 
a lot. Either not so much some interceptions yet, but the fumbles are the biggest thing with him. I mean, he'll run, make a great play, and then just cough the ball up. So Brian Dayball obviously has no – listen, this is not his quarterback, okay? He didn't draft him. He's working with them. He wants to see what he can do, how he can improve him. And I think he will improve. I think Daniel Jones will be a better quarterback under Brian Dayball than he was clearly under Joe Judge. I, I really do. I expect that he will be better. Okay? I do. And I think the offensive line is better. So I think that he's going to be a better quarterback. Now, is he the franchise quarterback? I don't know. I don't know yet. Right now, I would say no. And the reason I would say no, once again, is because of his lack of availability. I gotta have a, and and it, it's not fair, but I mean, he's replacing a guy who never was hurt. <laughs> I mean, Eli always played, always, always. The only game he missed was because you know they want to try something new. So his ability is is okay. I, I you know. I think Daniel Jones is a guy who is a, is a really good quarterback. Now, I don't know he's a franchise quarterback, and we'll see. I think clearly there's no doubt that the offensive line plays a part in it on how he views himself, how he views the team. And the offensive line's got to improve. The other thing is, you know, you need a running game. You can't be one-dimensional in the National Football League. I get that you want to throw the football all over the yard, and people do, and teams do. I know we got 4,000 and 5,000 yard passers. I get it. But you still need to be able to run the football from time to time. You can't be one dimensional and be successful in the National Football League. You can't do it. And so there are issues that running back has been a problem too. So here's what's interesting is that you've got two players, okay, who at quarterback and running back, who are in a position that they want to show people just how good they are, that they want to show people that they're not the Achilles heel of this football team, to show people that, they yes, we are talented. Yes, we can play this game. And so that helps Brian Dayball, right? Because you've got guys who want to prove that they can play. You want you want guys who are playing for a contract. If not here, somewhere. And so that helps you. Because even if you decide you want to move on from them, with their production improved, it makes them trade value better. And it helps your team. If they play better and play harder in practice and elevate how the other, how the teammates perform and get ready, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's a great thing. So from that standpoint, Brian Dayball got a lot to work on, okay? It's got a lot to do. Once again, do not expect Josh Allen to roll up at MetLife Stadium in a Giants uniform. <laughs> All right? I mean, there was a process that Josh Allen got better. And the final piece to that puzzle was Stefan Diggs. That made him the way he is now.
So once again, as we were same thing we were talking about with Zach Wilson, it's a process, right? It's a process on you getting your quarterback to improve. But I think he can do some things. And I know the Giants defense, based on what I've seen from Wake Martindale in his days in Baltimore, and I know he may not have the same talent, but it's a mindset, it's a philosophy, and I think he can really make some changes in this Giants defense that can help this offense out a little bit by getting some more turnovers and getting and stopping people and getting off the field on third down and, and getting a short field for their offense and doing some things that can make the offensive life a little easier. 1-800-919-3776. Anthony's in Queens. Hey, Ant, you're next on 98.7. Anthony. All right, he'll call us back. But but so I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, this jet this Giants defense is going to be like. I know they've got some issues at corner. Okay, I know they do. But I I, I still believe from Martindale's ability, his scheming ability, what he's been able to do in Baltimore, and once again. The key for him is going to be, as we always say, to try to adjust his schemes to the talent that he has. That's what he's got to do. That will make his life much easier here with the Giants. All right? Much easier. And much, much easier. Uh, but offensively, once again, I'm, I'm, I'm you know... Can Galladay be Galladay? Can he be that guy that, especially in the red zone, can make some plays? Tall receiver, can he be that guy that takes that next step for you? All right. Um, will, Will, you know, the rookie receiver be able to play the way he he? Plays when he's able to play. Can he give you that speed? Can can Kadarius Tony make the big plays that you've seen him make when he's on the field? I mean, this kid's a playmaker. He is. When you've seen him, he 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 makes plays. He could be a big play receiver for you. Can he stay on the field? Can he mature? Does the fact that you have a new coaching staff and and a new uh, playbook, make him focus him better. Does he understand now that this could be, you know, I may be, this is going to affect my playing time. Does he need to have a phone call with Denzel Mims? <laughs> okay. Who really saw with a new playbook and you struggle with that new playbook, you don't get a lot of playing time. So these are the things that you'll find out from these these two local football teams this year. Because listen, not a lot is expected from them. I mean, you expect you you hope that the Jets will improve and get seven eight wins. That would be great for them. For the Giants, it's a new regime. You're, you're not expecting a lot from them. You know, if, if if they're able to surpass their win total from last year, that's great. I. It, it, it's a it's an answer situation for them, for the Giants, right? It's, is this our quarterback? Is this our running back? Are we keeping these guys? What's going on with these two positions? That's what this is. 
are we keeping Daniel Jones going forward? Or are we going to eventually at sometimes before training camp or, or during the regular season make a move to make sure that we get an extra draft choice so we can make a trade if we need to to take a swing of the quarterback in the draft next year. That's that's what the Giants are looking at right now. And hopefully they'll find they'll have that answer with Daniel Jones, depending on how he performs. Folks are walking back to the dugout shaking their heads. <laughs> this is a good old fashioned pitchers duel in Tampa. Yankees holding on to the one nothing lead as Tampa bats in the fourth. Man. They're just they're just whew. this is good. This is this is this is uh you know postseason like <laughs> for me. Nice. A little nice. And I tell you something that interested me today. How about uh managers always intrigue me because of their uh, personalities and because of their decision-making and stuff like that. Now, we would say that Aaron Boone is not the kind of guy that would do a, normally, normally, my opinion, is not the kind of guy that would Take an A-Rod who's struggling and bad him eighth, as Joe Torrey did <laughs> in a postseason game some years ago. But it says a lot for Aaron Boone to hit Joey Gallo in the ninth spot in the lineup today. It says a lot. It tells you almost that, I mean, here's my interpretation of it. If we didn't have so many injuries, you probably would be sitting this one out. <laughs> and and but, and Joey's got a hit today. But why not? I mean, Gallo's, Gallo's average, even after the hit, is 175. 175. And he struck out probably in, I would, just from the batter's eye, right? He has probably struck out in at least half the games he's played. He's had at least one strikeout in half the games. It's not even a question. It's not even, it's not even close. And so while I understand that you need to get a lefty and you need to get a lefty bat and he's a guy that, you know, decent with power when he makes when he connects and is a great walk guy. Uh, it's not been it. And so he struggled. Aaron Hicks has been invisible. How is this team winning games (laughs) with the injuries and lack of production in the lineup? How are they winning? How are they doing it? 
Well, part of it is they're doing it with pitching. And the starters for this Yankee team has been just great. I think going into the day, their ERA of the last seven games is something like 1.6, 1.7. They're not giving up runs. So their offense does not have to do a lot to win games for them. And the bullpen's been amazing. And the bullpen's been and the bullpen and the starters have been amazing all season. They have been. The offense has come and gone. The offense has been pretty consistent, I would say. Pretty consistent. But, you know, as far as they haven't scored a lot of runs consistently, but they they they've they've scored enough to have the best record in baseball. They've scored enough to win games. And that's all you need. That's that's what you need right now until you get your guys back. Until you get Stanton back. You know, DJ's back now from an injury. You know, you 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 got to get your guys back. And the bullpen, and you heard the uh discussion, the promo discussion during the last break of what Rothenberg and DiPietro were talking about, you know, Monday through Fridays, five to eight here on ninety eight seven ESPN. About what do you do with Araldis Chapman when he comes back? And yeah, there's a concern from Yankee fans like Will the Thrill about overusing Holmes, overusing King. So later in the season, when you really want to go to them in a key spot in September, weekend series, first place on the line, will they have it? Will they not? So that's the question you worry about. But if you're the Yankees right now, what choice do you have? You got to go with these guys. And just think how lucky you've been that in your past two starts, your, your starters have gone eight innings. And Cole is en route to, you know, he's done great so far. His start today has kept the Rays at bay. And Kluber's at 60-plus pitches, so you know he's not going to be around too much longer, maybe another inning or so. And then you get to the bullpen, and maybe you have more success. But, uh, listen, give the Yankees credit. They're able to find a way to stay afloat, find a way to win games, and the only person that wishes they could score some more runs would be uh, Montgomery. <laughs> Jordan's like, hello. Can I get like three runs, please? <laughs> it would be nice if I could get that because I can't get it because nobody's giving it to me. Not on this offense. A little later tonight, about 7.15, the Mets and Phillies will get underway. Mets have a uh, three-game home winning streak. They won the first three games of this series. And, you know, speaking of injuries, uh, the Mets have had their share. Okay, very quietly. And obviously the top ones we talk about are DeGrom and Scherzer because those are the, you know, the top pitchers. But very quietly, Travis Jankowski, who has been just, he's been our Tim LaCastro. A guy who comes in late, great base runner, you know, utility guy can play the field for you. Um, great base runner, got some speed. You can hit and run. You can do some things with him. 
he's out. He's on the 10 day IL with a hand injury. That's a concern. Obviously, we mentioned uh, Scherzer and uh, Degrom. Uh, I think Tyler McGill is will be back shortly. So it'd be good to get him back into uh, the rotation. James McCann has been out. You know, Trevor May is on the 60 day IL, so he's been out. So, uh, you know, it's 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 been a struggle for this Met team, but they continue to find ways to win. And that's what you have to do. And that's where they're 30 and 17 so far in the season. Mets have won six out of their last 10 games. And what I like is the average is starting to get better. Okay, they're batting 297. And part of the reason why they're batting 297, um, over the, at least over the last couple of games, is the fact that Francisco Lindor is able to hit again. Francisco Lindor has gotten hot. You can see that he's, you know, rebounded from a 9 for 40 streak that he was battling through. And he's done a nice job. You know, he's done a very nice job. So, uh, you know, the Mets will be in action tonight. They will face... The Phillies, Zach Eflin, 1-3 with a 4.14 ERA for the Phillies. And Tyron Walker, 2-0, 2.70 ERA for the Mets. And Tyron Walker has been interesting. And we always talk about We're trying to figure out which Tyron Walker we're going to get, right? Which one is he? Is he going to be the one that was great the first half, second half? The past couple of starts, you're starting to see what this guy can be. And, and listen, am I... Am I enamored with him where I could give him the ball in the postseason? I don't know that I'm there yet. But, I mean, listen, I've got Bassett. I've got DeGrom. I've got Scherzer, possibly, okay, as my three. You know, he can give me an inning or two out of the bullpen if I need to. I think I could get him there. Same thing with Carrasco. And I give Carrasco a lot of credit. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. This is the pitcher I think that this is the pitcher the Mets thought they were getting when he was included in the Francisco Lindor deal. He's been very good this season. I have no complaints about him. He's been fabulous. He has been much better than he was last year. He's been good. And so the Met pitching staff has not been bad either. Okay? And there were some questions in there. Are they going to have to make some some adjustments to the bullpen? I think so. I do think as we get closer, uh, they're going to have to do something with the bullpen. At the all-star break or the trading deadline, they'll make a move. And they'll try to show up the bullpen. Maybe, depending on what happens with the Grommers, we get further down the line, they may decide that they need to get another starter just to add some depth. But for right now, I'm, I'm listen, how could I be miserable with the way they are? They're leading the division. They're playing well. I mean, I'm happy. Seven and a half game lead over Atlanta, eight and a half over Philly. I'm good. I'm good. I really am. I'm good. The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.